Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please welcome to the ice the members of the 2016 NCAA National Champions from the University of North Dakota. Welcome back to the Hasbens, presented by 10K Takes, brought to you always by the Chill Boys. And you can go on www.chillboys.com. And listeners, you can type in HB15 to get 15% off your first order from the Chill Boys. Get your underwear, socks made out of bamboo. And this week, I am welcomed by our producer, Jack Mason, co host. Trevor Olson, Travi Larson, whatever you want to call him. Um, <laughs> I am Gage Osmus, also known as Ozzo. And our guest this week will be Luke Schultz. He is our soccer or football expert that we brought in to talk World Cup. Luke Schultz is a Grand Forks Central teacher right now. He also coaches the men's varsity soccer team over in Grand Forks. We had him on just to talk a little World Cup action to fill you guys in on what's going on over there to prepare you for the huge matchup we have with USA and England coming up on Black Friday here this week. So tune into that after this, uh, after the fun stuff here to listen about the World Cup and what to watch for. But now let's get into our weekend recap by Beauty Status. And folks, Beauty Status is an authentic Minnesota hockey brand. Just you know, original stuff, T-shirts, head covers, stickers for the man cave, flags, polos. They've got it all. Good Minnesota hockey stuff for all the fans out there. Go and check out Beauty Status um, on all socials. Their website is www.beautystatushky.com. Pulse, what did you get up to on the weekend? Yeah, not a whole lot, Gager. Uh, just uh, drove back up to Duluth, the homeland. Um, I'm in between, uh, jobs right now. I start my new one on this upcoming Monday. So I had the full week off. Um, so I came up to hang out with the family sisters back in town from New Mexico. Uh, so we've just been chilling. And then, uh, tonight's actually go night before Thanksgiving tomorrow. Uh, we'll head down to Roscoe's pioneer bar, enjoy ourselves a nice, um, canteen or two. And then uh, enjoy the food tomorrow. So uh, not a whole lot going on, just a lot of chilling. Nice. I like that. Uh, tonight's, you know, I, I think of like the biggest go nights uh, of the year just for the entire country. Tonight's got to be one of those. You know, you got the, everyone's got work off tomorrow. Um, you know, your your friends and family are typically back in the same hometown. And you all head to your local, you know, watering hole and, tie one onto the bar and just have yourself a jolly old time talking about the good times with all the local people. So um, I'm jealous you'll be doing that. I'll be missing out on that this week, this or tonight, but uh, yeah, always a great time. It's gotta be one of the best, one of the best nights of going out for uh, Americans for sure. For sure. Absolutely. It's uh this dive bar is pretty nice and it gets pretty packed on holidays. It's good to see some, some old friends for sure. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Mace, what'd you get up to this weekend? 
Um, not too much on Friday. Had the fellas over, had some drinks, went out to the Bulldog, not too much. And then Saturday, uh, one of my cousins got married, so we went down to Stillwater. Go. Uh, went to this little venue, got absolutely hammered. Me and my dad were absolutely ripping it up on the dance floor, and then I don't remember walking home. So it was a good night. Yeah, weddings, weddings also a green light go. Uh, there not many, not many times you hold back at an event like that. So well done. There were tequila shots flying everywhere that whole night. I mean, I don't know how many went around, but that'll do it. Let's go time. Love it. Yeah. It sounds like a hell of a time. I, uh, gosh, I was, I was just thinking about what I did this past weekend. Cause I couldn't, it was funny how it started off. It was Thursday and it was Thursday evening and <clears throat> got invited to the Ralph Engelstead arena to do a, uh, Ed Belfour whiskey tasting for his whiskey uh, that he came out with, which is, you you know, went and tried his whiskey there. Um, 87 unleaded, absolute diesel (laughs) stuff there. (laughs) It's like, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, straight gas. Like most liquor is 80 proof for 40% alcohol, right? Well, this stuff's like 106 proof, 53%. It's like, you drink it and it's I it feels like I can light my mouth on fire type of thing, but he's got some different options, but it's good stuff. I mean, I, I it's it's crazy. He was talking about how they make it and stuff and how they age it. Um he's got his two kids working with them. It's a pretty cool deal, actually. So that was cool to see. And then um went to the went to both of the North Dakota games again at the Ralph. There they had they were honoring the nineteen eighty two um national champion team. So all those guys were back in town and it's pretty cool to see. It's pretty cool to see all those guys come back, just all of them living different lives in different areas of the country. And man, I think, I think like 97, 98% of them made it back. So um, it's just good. You know, it, it kind of excites me for the future we have ahead to get to see those guys again in the future. And uh, it's always a good time brings you right back to the glory days. So um, that's pretty much what I did on the weekend. Uh, it was it was tough seeing UND lose that Saturday game after coming back three zero. But and then and then obviously after that, uh, I, I forgot because I deleted it from my mind. But Sunday I went over to Colton Sanderson's house, Dusky, to watch the Vikings play his beloved Cowboys, and I end up almost breaking his and fucking leaving after the second half, the first <laughs> half. <laughs> Yeah, not not a great effort. I mean, I don't want to sit here and say I told you so, but that's why I'm skeptical on the Vikings this year. Um, You know, I I finally hopped on the bandwagon and we got absolutely pooped on. So I'm going to go back to being that skeptical fan and you guys can yell at me all you want. But I'm better in this spot than being fully on the bandwagon, because obviously once I'm there, we get absolutely pooped on. And I know for a fact Dusky was wearing his dirty Romo OJ that he hasn't gotten rid of yet or bought a new one. He's got the, he's got the, I'll never forget this. The first visit I went to at North Dakota, guys wearing his Romo jersey were playing. He's my partner. He's got that Romo jersey on. He's had it for 37 years and he doesn't want it. He doesn't do anything with it. It's disgusting. It's terrible. It's it's awful. It's like I don't know. Like Romo is such a funny 
guy to be a fan of back in the day because it was like you're a fan of Tony Romo. Like I know he's yeah. like he was almost like he was almost like the Kirk Cousins back in the day where I was like, yeah, he's like decent, but he's never gonna fucking win you anything. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, I, I I didn't I didn't like that Romo was the one calling the game. Um, I know I normally get past it, but he was saying we in regards to the Cowboys. He's like, you know, we had a great run there. You know, if you're going to do a national, you know, nationally televised game, you can't have, even though, you know, he's not totally biased. It's just like, man, you can't can't say we, and like, we're a good (laughs) deal. You just can't do that. You know, it's if you're a local radio guy, I understand it, but you can't do that on national TV at like the the spokesperson, in my opinion. Yeah, it was it was funny they put him on that game. I I thought that was quite ridiculous too. I mean, it, it's a tough spot for Tony to be in. Like, <clears throat> he's a guy who obviously he feels like the Cowboys are you know is him, and is that's why he's saying we. So like, he shouldn't even be on that game in the first place because. What, you're just going to slip up, you know, like that's going to happen. I went on, you know, you had Dunner on the last week. So I went on Dunner's um, radio show after the first intermission or whatever. Um, and he was like talking and it was his first time with Hennessy. You know, it's, it's his first season. So he's still pretty new at it. Yeah. So he's interviewing me. And then right as the interview ends, he's like, and now, you know, and now up next is uh, your second period of fighting Sioux hockey. And and he's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, fighting Hawks hockey. And uh, I'm sorry about that. I really feel bad about that. I'm sorry. And he like said, sorry, a bunch of times I'm sitting there laughing. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Dunner, don't worry. Starman told us he dropped it like five or six times the first time they came to town. Yeah. hundred percent. But uh, yeah, that's that'll that that'll do it for the weekend recap. Let's move on to the fun stuff here. Brought to you by Butter Golf and the predictions here. Let's start off with the first series: North Dakota versus Bemidji, home and home. Now, Bemidji is the highest is the higher ranked team in the series right now. To mind you. Okay, that uh, it actually doesn't surprise me with the, uh, North Dakota's start that Bemidji's ranked higher. Um, but I am still going to go split here. I'm just not confident in them to get a sweep uh, and win in Bemidji. Um, as we all know, this is one of the tougher series North Dakota plays all year because this is Bemidji's Stanley Cup. Um, and I'm, I'm on my cell phone, and my grandma just called me to wish me a happy birthday, and I just had to... <laughs> so, no way. So, Grandma, Grandma, and Grandpa, I apologize, but I'm, I'm I'm running a show, and I'll give you a buzz back here shortly. Um, <laughs> so, I'm I'm getting back to it. The professional, um, I I think it's a, I think it's a split. Like I was saying, Bemidji, this is Bemidji yeah. Stanley Cup. Um, I think I think it's a split, and they they don't grab the one in Bemidji. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm going to have to side with Ols here. I think it's going to be a split as well. Um, honestly, I think this is, you know, North Dakota's just got to get one win out of this game. You know, they're, yeah. Bemidji's a good team. Um, they got to get one win. I don't know if it's going to be at home or at Bemidji. I honestly think they're going to win in Bemidji and lose at home. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm guessing split as well. 
And then for my pick, I'll switch it up. I'm going to go Nodak, win and tie. We went at home, tie Bemidji. I like that. I like that. Strictly because Bemidji's not a real high-scoring team. So, um, yeah, I think they got one out. I like that, Mace. Good choice. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll move on to the next one here. Um, let's see here. Sorry, I lost my thought. I lost my train of thought. Actually, I got it. Harvard at Michigan. Pretty good series here. Um, two wagons, kind of. Yeah. Uh, is Michigan um, fully healthy yet? Do, do we know the answer to that? Yeah, I think Michigan will be fully healthy here um, coming up. They just lost two games in Minnesota at home. So do with I'm, that what you will. Yeah, I'm going uh, – I'm going uh, Harvard Sweep. I'm just gonna not a bad call. Not a bad yeah, call. I'm gonna stay right there. I, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of explanation as to why I think that. Um, but yeah, Harvard sweeps for me. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna stick boring here and just go split again. I think. I do. I like Olsa's Olsa's side there. I think Michigan's gonna squeak one out. They're not gonna lose four in a row at home. They're going to squeak one out, but I do think Harvard will be the better team both games. Fair. I really, really want to take Michigan sweep, but I'm going to go split. I don't think they can get two of them, especially but, against Harvard. What is such the right choice on most of these series? How can you how can you expect a team to to sweep in college hockey? That's just hard. Sweeping is hard. So you guys are smart. Especially so like hard. two juggernauts too, like two juggernaut of teams. Like yeah. I don't know. I like it. What do we got next, right. Adrian? Moving on, Mankato at Michigan Tech. Mankato's Mankato's let me down a bunch this year. Um, so I, I I'm just gonna take the easy route here. I'm going split. I think Tech grabs one. I'm gonna I'm gonna change my. Uh thought process here i'm gonna go michigan tech at home sweeps the uh reigning ccha champions the uh minnesota state mavericks i just uh i think michigan tech's got a solid group this year you know they're gonna be at home they're up in the up those guys are always tough to play against they always play well at home i'm gonna go with this i'm gonna go with a sweep michigan tech like it I like it. Uh, I'm going to take the easy road to split. I, I don't think Mankato can get swept. That's fair. I, that 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 league is just so gritty. Like it's any any team could win at any point, and so that's just the easy way out is saying a split. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the next one here, and this is just uh, I think. This is just a one-game shot here. It might be a weekend series, home and home. Massachusetts versus UMass Lowell. Yeah, are you looking it up on CHN right now? I need to know if it's a if it's, it's a, a home. it's a it's a one-game shot on Friday. It looks like they are playing a little tournament. Okay. Um, so they're only playing each other once. Okay, I'm gonna go uh, UMass. They get back on track here uh, against Lowell. Uh, they've been kind of 
struggling a bit as of late. I think they win this one on Friday. I'm going to have to go with, uh, they're both very close. They're both 13 and 14, the pair wise. I'm going to, I'm going to take Lowell just because, uh, you know, when we were playing Lowell was actually the better UMass team. I think that that trend has changed since, but I'm going to think, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to finally get one back on UMass Amherst. That was my first, that was my first visit ever. UMass Lowell. How was it? Honestly, it, it wasn't bad. I went, I went UMass Lowell and the, the school was kind of funky actually there. It was, the campus was in like old buildings, old industrial buildings almost. It looked like the city was kind of interesting. I don't know. It was, it was a different vibe. Um, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but the dorms were like the size of my bed. So um, that was probably the one downfall, but the things have probably changed since then. It's been 10 years. <laughs> That's funny. I like hearing those little those stories, but yeah, maybe things haven't changed. I don't know. I don't think Walsh changed in forty years. And in fact, I think I met uh, was Hellebuck the the goalie out there, Connor Hellebuck so. for the Jets. I think, I think I'm, so. I'm pretty sure he was one of the guys that I was walking around with on my visit. Uh, no way. Yeah, I don't. Or maybe I just met him in the dorms. He's one of the guys I met in the dorms or whatever. But it flew yeah. right over my head. <laughs> that's funny all right mace who do you got in this one all right i'm going bold and i'm going they tie they, i love they send it to overtime actually okay so that just that they go to overtime because i think there there needs to be a winner because it's a tournament okay. but but i i think if it goes to overtime that's an automatic win it doesn't yeah. matter if it goes to overtime that's considered a tie in my book yeah that is i like that but I'll take that then. Well, that's I, it for the predictions. Yeah, I, I actually hope it happens, but then UMass wins in overtime, and then me and Mace get points, and Gage doesn't. That'd be <laughs> that'd be an ideal. Situation. Yeah, would we would we get? <clears throat> we'll give Mace two points for getting it completely right, and then you yes. one point, and then me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Deal. All right. Let's move on to the next one here. We're gonna do a fantasy snake draft for the thanksgiving games nfl nfl games here okay let's see i'm gonna look these up also do you know like every game i know it's cowboys giants no yeah so it's uh buffalo detroit is the early game cowboy giants and then uh our vikes against the patriots and we're missing uh derisaw and uh two of our cornerbacks so this should be fun this should be a fun one Okay, who wants to – does anyone want to volunteer going first in this snake draft? Yeah, so are we going to – this is this has got to be one that goes up on a poll on Twitter, I think, eh? Like whose fantasy team is going to win? Um, yeah. I mean, if you guys want to have me go first, I'd love to. I don't uh, – I really don't think it's going to – I think there's a lot of good players to pick from. Okay, so – what do you think, Mace? You want to go first, or you want me to? Well, I was gonna, I was gonna set some, set some, set some rules quick. So, I'll if we, I'll score this, and I'll actually put up the total points for each team. Do we want to do full PR, PPR, half PPR? Let's go full, full point per reception. I like that. Okay, but because then and, I'll, I'll total it up and throw it on Twitter after too. Yeah, I like that. To, to continue on, we're going to go full point per reception. 
We're going to do one QB, one running back, one wide receiver, and one flex. Correct? Perfect. Correct. All right. Uh, sure, I'll go first. Um, I'll take Josh Allen, quarterback, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, not bad. I mean, he just played in that stadium, so he knows it pretty well, you know? Yeah, and Detroit's defense, poo juice. So I, I'd assume that's going to be a high-scoring game, but it'll probably go under. Um, can I go second? Sure, yeah, sure, if you want to. Okay. I'll take uh, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, weird. I, you're going to take all the bikes. <laughs> no, Kirky's at home, just had a dud of a game. Uh, he's playing primetime, so he's due to have a really good game. Well, yeah, he's um, old. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going Kirk. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. <laughs> Did I talk you out of it? You could get yeah. Kirk fourth pick if you wanted him. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Kirk back, actually. I want to win this. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to pick Saquon Barkley. Nice. Say quads. Guy's got huge legs. Saquad. Yep. Saquad. For my first pick, uh, I'm I will happily take Dak Prescott against right. the Giants. I All think right. the Giants are a little fraudulent, so I think I respect Dallas is going to kind of go off. I got second pick. I mean, I'll take the obvious choice. I'll take JJ. There you go. I knew if that was going to get back to me, I would have slapped you both in the face. I got him on my dynasty team. I mean, he's leading me right now to an eight and three season. I'm third place in the league, and I got absolutely buns for running backs. So it would be <laughs> fraudulent not to take him right now. I respect that. And he's coming off a dud, him and Kirk, the stinky, <laughs> stinky boys. All right, Gage. Well, this one's pretty, this one's a really easy choice for myself. I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs. Nice. That's incredible. Just like Cole, just like Cole said. Lions, Lions are brutal on D. They're in. They're playing at a stadium. Josh Allen slinging the ball. Big game from Diggsy. So I got two here. I'm going. Uh, I'm going Ramondre Stevenson at my running back for the Patriots, and I'm going with Amon Ra St. Brown for Detroit. Really, Amon Ra. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be down twenty. They got to sling it. He's going to have ten receptions. Yeah. So those are those are my two. All right. Wait, Oles, who'd you pick? Amon Ron and who? Ramondre Stevenson, the running back for uh, Patriots. Damn it. Um, okay, I'm going to go CD Lamb, Cowboys. Nice. nice. Love CD. That would have been a nice stack for Mace if he got Dak and CD. It's like yeah. my actual uh it's like my actual fantasy team. I got JJ and CD. Oh, you'd love that. Not bad. Um I mean got him on my fantasy team. It's been one absolutely off last week. I gotta go Tony P. Throw my running back. I don't want Zeke. All right. Ooh, Pollard. Yeah, I like that. It's a good call. Well, got, yeah, I'm gonna go. He's he's got his flex spot. Mm-hmm. Does he? Yeah. yeah. 
He's he's got one more. Give me Delvin. I was gonna go. I was gonna go with Jamal, but I don't think they're gonna make it very far past Buffalo's defense. That's a yeah. smart pick. Very well done. I like that. Well, then that leads me to my quarterback position, right? Which was I was gonna waste my first pick, but uh, yeah. smartly took it back. I'll go with Kirky. All right, here we go. He's due. Right. Kirk Bunyan's. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to throw one off the wall here. I'm going, uh, Jacoby Myers, the wide receiver for Pitt, for, uh, the Patriots. Um, it's not that I think the Vikes are going to lose. I have no Vikes on my team. I just think that the, the Vikes defense is kind of fraudulent. So I'm taking both of the, or two Patriots guys. Yeah. What are we going to put on this? Good question. Um, let's put whoever loses. The other two guys get to come up with uh, an Instagram post that they have to post. I like that deal. All, all in on that. All right, percent. <laughs> all in. Unreal. So these are our teams. Gage's got Kirk Cousins, Saquon Barkley, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb. Trevor's got Josh Allen, Ramondre, Amon Ra, and Jacoby Myers. I got Dak Prescott, Tony P, JJ, and Jamal Williams. I like that. Okay. I like All that. Right. Hey, oh, you, you got Dalvin, not Jamal. Yeah, Dalvin. Because you were going to go Jamal, but then you, you switched, which I think is the better choice. Um, also, I, I got I to gotta update you guys on our fantasy team because you guys don't have access. Um, we were playing – we're currently the eight seed. Uh, we were playing the seven seed or the six seed or something um, this last week. We were down 0.5 points on the Monday night game, and we had James Conner going, and they didn't play him the entire fourth quarter. Um. But we also had San Fran D who had an interception in the last 30 seconds. And so we ended up winning our match. And we're out of last place as of right now, boys. We are Let's out of go. Home. Yes. Oh, boy. Suck it. Suck San it. San Fran D saved us. Love that. <laughs> Love that. That's unreal. Well done, Ols. Well done on that. Um well, there that's our those were our picks here. Let's move on to the next thing. And obviously it is Thanksgiving coming up, so we wanted to do a little um top four Thanksgiving foods. So we can have we can all have the same thing theoretically if you want. But your top four items, it could be anything. It could be, you know, uh, I love my grandma's or my uncle's rum and cokes that he mixes up during thanksgiving <laughs> like it could be whatever okay um so do, do i just rip off my top four right off the top of my head yeah i think so yeah stuffing sweet potato casserole um does that does that have does that have the the sweet potato casserole is pretty much a dessert isn't it because it's got the yeah. Brown it, sugar and then the mat, marsh, yeah. marshmallows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that stuff. So that's that's crack cocaine. Um. Uh. 
pumpkin pie, and then I think a little ham with a little gravy on it can't be beat. Those are my top four right there. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good call. Um, it's, this is a tough one for me because there's there's a lot to choose from here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go turkey with, with gravy on it. Um, I'm also going to go, if, if the mashed potatoes are done correctly, you know, mashed potatoes can either be, you know, unbelievable or someone can kind of botch them. 100%. If the, if the mashed potatoes are elite, I want those on there also with gravy. And then after that, gosh, I'm trying to think what else you can throw on. I'm, I'm obviously going with some apple pie. I have to. Yeah. Apple pie is my favorite. Um, and then... Oh, definitely going green bean casserole. Nice. Uh, That's going to be so, my intention. Green, green bean casserole is all time. Great choice. Mace, let's hear your four, baby. All right. For my four, my first one's going to be honey baked ham. I'm nice. not a turkey guy on Thanksgiving. I think it's too dry. I don't know. The ham's just a whole lot better in my perspective. Number yep. two, I'm going stuffing. Can't go wrong with that. Number three, I'm going pumpkin pie, just because I don't like fruit, so I can't really have any of that apple or basically any other pie. Apple's so ass. It tastes like a squishy, The it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It's the worst pie in the world, and it's not close. It is not close. <laughs> That's like saying you've never had apple pie. You're, that is a terrible fucking taste. Okay. It really, Apple it, pie is ass. Are you kidding me? It's That's like terrible. saying, oh, pizza, pizza's ass. No, that is not making all the making all the hot chick ass. <laughs> Winning the lottery, ass. <laughs> Ap- <laughs> fucking Apple, Apple pie's <laughs> Apple pie is quite possibly the worst dish on earth. <laughs> Come on, man. That is ridiculous. I would, I would, ra- I would rather eat cow balls. Than, than apple pie and that's a cow that's balls, a cow balls probably be more healthy yeah they ain't gonna taste better i bet you they taste better <laughs> it's a texture thing for me sorry mace throw your fourth one out there i had to go off quick though all right number four i'm wrapping it all up with a nice cold bush light nothing puts the meal together like a nice cold bush light interesting all right i like it. <laughs> oh yeah Fuck yeah, no, it doesn't. I, I agree. Because <laughs> then you're already, you're feeling good by the end of it. You're ready to get the night going. Yeah. What did, so I, I like that. What did, can you, what did we leave off? You know, um, was, were there things we kind of like beets, maybe some beets? You know, I think like, jello. I think jello, yeah. The, the cranberry sauce that people yeah. throw, that's a, that's an honorable mention for me. Um, I think another one is, uh, oh, I can't think of it. I lost my train of thought. There's there's a lot of good dishes. Oh, there is. There's a ton. Mac and cheese. Don't people do oh. bacon cheese? Oh, yeah. Why? Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Or even like green beans, like those roasted green beans. Oh, yeah. S- smack. Smack. Yeah. Thanksgiving is by far my favorite uh, eating holiday for sure. All right, so we got you know some we didn't we didn't really mention any salads, obviously. Yeah, 
I don't need um, salad. Yeah, green bean casserole, cornbread dressing, mashed sweet potato. We we pretty much covered it all. I mean, yeah, it's it's all it's kind of all in the way you make it. Like all of these things can either be really good or very average, and it's, yeah. it really depends on the person preparing it. Like apple pie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll move on. Apple pie, everyone knows is the best. Olsen's just got fucking dropped as a baby. B- bottom, <laughs> bottom two and an eight two. Let's just say that. Bottom two. <laughs> <laughs> yes sir uh, well now with thanksgiving you kind of understand you know thanksgiving is a holiday that you know when i was growing up um and i'm sure you guys felt the same you're like thanksgiving we're all getting together for thanksgiving and it's like you're a kid and you're like i don't really know what this holiday's for I don't know what it means, but uh, get get school off and have some food. Sure, whatever. Um, but as you get a little older, you kind of understand. It makes you know it's, it's a day where your family gets together and um, ends up, you know, you're supposed to be thankful for, for your life and where you're at. Um, which is pretty cool because you don't do often. I think, you know, there's a lot of us out there who – myself included who live each day just kind of looking forward to the next and and you know um i don't you don't really you don't really stop and look around and see what you have and you know you don't really count your blessings too often and i do think it is a good thing to do that every once in a while because it refreshes your mind on you know why you are the way you are and why you do what you do and um, kind of gives you purpose and meaning in life. And now, obviously, like nowadays, when I was a kid growing up, Thanksgiving on the list of holidays was towards the bottom. I didn't really care for it. Uh, now, when I'm, you know, now when I'm an, an adult now, and I'm not like basing my holiday rankings on how many gifts I'm given per one, I have moved the Thanksgiving holiday up the slot. It's probably sitting for me. It's probably sitting to maybe maybe two spot because this meal for me, like I guarantee you on Thursday for Thanksgiving, when it, when 8 p.m. hits, I will have a stomach ache and I will be regretting my decisions of how much food I ate. It's just the way it is. And happens. I know. Yeah, I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen again. But I do want to kind of go through, you know let's each discuss just some things that we're thankful for in life that uh, maybe you wouldn't uh, think about before. And I can start us off if you guys want, just to give you an idea, but um, <clears throat> every year this time comes around and you ask, you know, why, what, why are you thankful? What are you thankful for? What, what do you take for granted or what's good in your life? And I always think, you know, my friends and my friends and family are, what I'm thankful for most. It's the kind of the reason I live and kind of the reason why I do anything, you know, is, is, um, to, to have friends and family and to share my life with those people. And I'm just very fortunate to have a, be born with a brain or personality that likes people. And I, I do, you know, have an easy time making friends compared to others. 
um, which I'm very thankful for. I don't think a lot of other people have a personality like mine where I can make so many friends, you know, not too many things bother me, not too many people. You know, I, there's not too many people I meet that don't, that I don't like. So um, that's one of the biggest things I'm thankful for because I like people and I don't like complaining about things and I'm just thankful that I am the way I am in that sense. All right. I respect that. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to be pretty generic here. Um, you know, everybody, everybody comes home and, and is with family and they say that they're thankful for that family. But I saw, I saw a graph where it's like time spent with family. Um, and it, you know, through your first 18 years of life, obviously 70 to 80% of your time is with your family. And you don't really know like what it's like being away from them really. And then at, in your twenties and everything, when you go to college, it just drops down like 5% of your time during a full year is given to your family. Um, and so I've just come to, uh, you know, appreciate that time a little more often. Um, so I'm just thankful that I have the ability to live my life, um, in the cities, but have that ability to come home and, and be with my family and the people that I love. So, um, that's what I'm thankful for and thankful for, um, health as well. And then for me, like, of course, friends and family, number one, I mean, I've been going through a lot of changes in my life. I graduated in December, came back and now I'm a grown adult. I'm on the job market now. So there's been a lot of, a lot of obstacles, but they stick by my side and help me through it. So I always appreciate that. But one thing I am really thankful for, honestly, is just this podcast. I mean, when I graduated, like I kind of just thought I was going to get in the workforce, you know, work at 10,000 takes, do some videos. But then this podcast came about. And I mean, I look forward to it every week. I mean, I don't talk a whole lot. I'm kind of behind the scenes, but I absolutely love this podcast even though it causes me a lot of stress and anxiety and i don't <laughs> i'm not good with that shit as gage and trevor know but dude i mean these have just been some great fucking times and i'm excited to see what we what we keep doing like we're thankful yeah. for you mace we'd be nowhere without you and that's a promise <laughs> yeah we are very thankful for you mace 100 yeah. <laughs> we are hey. of everything you battle through with your anxiety and things like that it's <laughs> That's that's real stuff, uh, and you know we got your back. So I uh, mm -hmm. appreciate you saying that. Yeah, yeah. And I, Mace. Just I wanted to, I wanted to say one more thing. I'm thankful for kind of base going off of the the Qatar thing and, and um, the World Cup being in Qatar, and you'll you see you know kind of what goes on over in countries like that. And this is going to be kind of a hard o take, and I know that, but I'm kind of a hard o take guy sometimes. Um, I'm really thankful, you know, we all, I grew up in the USA and we all grew up in the country that we did because, you know, there's a, there's a ton of people out there who um, aren't fortunate enough to, you know, they didn't choose where they were born. They didn't choose to be born. And, you know, some, a, a, a girl didn't get, didn't choose to be born somewhere where they can't show their hair or um, even look people in the eye. So I know there's a lot, I know, I know a lot of people, don't like the USA and there's, there's a lot of problems that go on here um, where it kind of makes me mad where people kind of bash the USA as a country, just because no, we aren't perfect. No one's perfect. But I think in terms of the rest of the world, 
the way we have found a way to do things here is um, as good as you can get for the time being. And obviously we still have to continue to get better at so many things. But um, when you look at the rest of the world and you look at all these problems and struggles and you base, you know, solely off that, I think the USA is close to the top there. So I'm just very thankful to have the life that we were given. Mm-hmm. And we're extremely fortunate for the position we're in. Hundred percent yeah. across the globe. Hundred percent. We have the ability to get on here and and chat about God knows what. Um, and it's it's pretty crazy what other people go through. So um, for sure, count your blessings. Yeah, pretty pretty thankful we grew up in this time as well. I mean, you think back even ten years, you probably couldn't do a podcast the way we're doing it right now. But uh, you know. Fortunately, we were born the same, the years we were, and now we are able to do all this stuff just remote inside our homes. Um, it's just incredible the communication you can have nowadays with with folks, especially your parents when you're away from them. I'm very thankful for those smart fuckers out there who mm-hmm. have figured out technology and figured out ways to do that stuff. So. <laughs> and also a quick shout out to all the listeners who tune in week after week and comment on everything. Like, we... We love the feedback. We love seeing the tweets and shit. So just thanks for tuning in every week. We, yeah, we really there, there's not there's nothing better. We'll we'll send a comment into our uh, into our group chat, and we'll just we'll absolutely love it. So keep uh, keep <laughs> yeah. following along with us. Keep interacting with us. We love that. Yeah, we love it. And thanks for listening this week, guys. I think that'll. That'll end it for this week, but that'll end the, this portion of the episode for this week. After this, I think we are going to go on to Luke Schultz, who will fill us in on the World Cup action that we have here, and he'll talk some soccer there. But for this portion, we will um, end this and move on to Luke Schultz. But I did want to say thank you again, all listeners, for everything you've done, like May said, and um, we look forward to bettering ourselves and bettering our episodes so you guys don't get bored with us because uh we definitely want to keep you guys along for the ride with us it's been fun and we don't uh, plan on stopping anytime soon so uh, now on to luke schultz and now i'd like to welcome on our very special guest for this week um one of our very own soccer experts his name is luke schultz he is from grand forks north dakota he is a teacher at Grand Fork Central currently and also the men's varsity soccer coach. So, Luke, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate uh, you giving us some insight into this World Cup tournament we have going on. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if I can uh, accept the expert tag, but the rest is true. <laughs> so, Schultz, what do you, you know, everyone's wondering in America because, you know, when you live in America, you call, you know, what we call football, it happens to be a different game from the rest of the world. Um, and we kind of, you know, particularly we, we focus on the actual American football. And I think a lot of our listeners don't really know too much about soccer um, and what's going on. So kind of run us through what we can expect from Team USA and just some, you know, some of the stages and some of the, what do they call them, groupings that we have. And kind of the, the underdogs, the favorites, all of it. All right. Um, so first of all, with, with the U.S., um, we're the second youngest team in the tournament. So we added a 35-year-old defender to the World Cup roster. 
and that moved our team average up to like 25 years and three months or something like that. Um, he wasn't playing in qualification. So coming into this, we had the youngest team in the world at like 23. He brought the average age up like two years. Um, but he's a stud. He starts in the Premier League. He should have been probably with the team the entire time. But they've had some injuries and stuff at that position, so they decided to bring him in. I thought it was a no-brainer. Um, he wasn't with the team in most of the camps, and now he's the starting center back, and he's the best center back they have. So um, as far as that goes, they're a really young team. They only have one guy that was on the team uh, last time they were in the World Cup. They didn't qualify in 2018, so the last time they played was 2014. And the guy that's on the team now is just a bench player. Um, so all the starters, it's their first World Cup experience. So I'd say overall, as far as expectations go, it's like if they make it out of the group, great, something to build on for the next World Cup. Um, I think if they don't get out of the group, it's a bit of a disappointment just because this is kind of like the the golden generation. Uh, the younger guys they have have been kind of hyped up for the last, I don't know, four or five years as kind of being the future. So I think with the World Cup in 2026 being in um, the U.S., I think it's like if they don't get out of the, the group stage this time, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them next time. Whereas if they're able to just make it out this time, have a decent showing in the round of 16, maybe win a game, uh, that'll bring a lot of excitement for 2026 when it's stateside. So is it, for sure. is, is it basically a confidence building year uh, in regards to USA soccer? Yeah, I would say it's more not just like within the team, but also I think like within the country because I just think obviously soccer is not huge here. So yeah. when they when they do have the spotlight on them, like Friday they play against England. Um, that'll probably, I've been saying this for months, but that'll be the most watched soccer game in the history of the U S because it's black Friday. A lot of people aren't working. It's USA versus England. So games like that are huge just for the profile of the sport in our country. So yeah, it's a big one. I think it's, I'd probably call it just like a confidence building world cup for sure. Yeah. Schultz. Now, obviously, you know, there are, there are other countries that are much better at, at us than soccer, just from them, their culture they have and whatever. Um, <clears throat> how ridiculous would it be to say that the USA would even make, you know, the quarterfinals or semifinals of this tournament? You know, is that something that's just not possible or is that something that, you know, could happen and in, in especially in soccer, you know, kind of anything could happen or does typically the, the better team just always win? Well, you've already seen like in this tournament, like Argentina yesterday, they're kind of everybody's darling because it's Messi's final World Cup. They lost to Saudi Arabia yesterday. Um, you've had, what was the other one? There was another big upset. Oh, um, this one happened today, actually, but Germany lost to Japan. They were up one nothing. They've never lost in the World Cup when they were up one nothing. Japan scores two second half goals and wins two to one. So it's kind of an any given day type thing. I mean, you obviously have teams that are way better than others, but if you just pretty much play good defense let the other team have the ball and just capitalize on your chances i don't want to say anybody can beat anybody but if they get to the round of 16 anything can happen i, I couldn't see them playing in a final but i could definitely see them taking a game uh getting to the quarterfinals which would be huge yeah one thing that one thing that interests me about soccer and picking these teams schultz is you know when you're picking the olympic team for hockey most of these guys are playing in the same exact league or, you know, Olympic team for basketball. They're, you know, a lot of the U S guys are playing the NBA um, for soccer. Most of these, all of these countries they are picking players that are playing in so many different leagues. You know, how do you know which guy's the best? Um, how do you pick those players? And, you know, my, where I'm going with this question is basically, you know, are, are there players in, in America or from the U S that got left off this team, 
not because they aren't good enough, but because they're playing in the wrong league or just not right the right fit for this squad. Yeah, so that's the thing about this World Cup is it's midseason. So all the soccer leagues right now, besides pretty much MLS, are in the midst of their season. So A, you have a lot of injuries. So you had guys that probably wouldn't have been on the team if everybody was healthy. Um, but then you also have guys that just in soccer, like they talk about form a lot, which just means like how you're playing. So if you're kind of on the fringes and you're not playing well, you're not going to make it. Whereas if you're a guy that was kind of on the outside looking in and you're on a hot streak, like if you're a goal scorer, you're probably going to get called into the camp. So like Team USA has a kid named uh, Ricardo Pepe that's 19 years old. He chose USA over Mexico. He could have done either. And he was kind of, he had the most goals for the U.S. in qualifying and he didn't make the trip to Qatar. They didn't pick him. So there's a bunch of stuff with like just how you're playing at that moment and kind of how they think you're going to fit in. Um, like Zach Steffen, another one, he's, he was the number one keeper for us. Like he's, he was at man city for the last couple of years. Uh, he went out on loan this year and everyone's like, Oh, he's a shoe in to be on the team. Probably be the backup. Cause they have another guy that's been good. They just didn't pick him. So they brought three keepers. They didn't bring him. And kind of the theory there is like, they don't want to put any pressure on their number one by having this guy over his shoulder. So they went with a guy that's just like comfortable being the backup. So there's a lot of different kind of things that go into it. There's a couple guys that are shoe-ins, like Pulisic, obviously, if he has a pulse and his hamstrings attached, he's going to be on the team. Uh, but there's other guys that are just, it kind of depends on how they're playing at that moment. So that's kind, of, that's kind of the biggest separator, I think, right now between us and other countries is like if we have, between the top countries, but like if we have a couple of our key guys out, we're going to really struggle. Whereas a team like Brazil, they could probably field three teams and they could probably all make it out of the group stage because they're just so deep. Is, is Brazil the, the favorite? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Brazil's tournament to lose, I would say. Um, they've, always, they've always had good teams, but I think this team kind of has the right mix of like sandpaper and skill. Like the, Everybody knows Neymar gets a, yeah. a bad rap because he's, he's diving all over the place, but he's nasty and he's been like this year for his club, PSG, he's been better than Messi probably. Um, and then they also have like really good defenders and they have like tough guys to play against. So they, yeah, they're... They're so deep at every position. It's disgusting. And Schultz, one thing I wanted to ask you, just just to bring bring light to the game of soccer and how it's played, because most of our listeners, um, you know, they're hard-o hockey fans, right? And, and hockey fans, you know, they're like, you know, LeBron's on the court not getting up because he's got cramps, but this guy just had a heart attack. He's trying to come out for the third period, you know? So that's kind of the culture of hockey fans now. I think that's what bothers a lot of people in America when they watch soccer is the kind of fake diving where it's almost acting and stuff. But um, which what I what I don't think most people know is like that's that's taught in soccer to you know get a get a card or, or get the ball back like that's taught and that's what they're, they they practice those things and like they kind of practice diving. So like in the soccer world and the culture, it's not considered soft at all to dive because you're supposed to. Yeah. So I'd say like, and that's a big cultural difference too. Like there's not for the most part, like you're not going to see Americans rolling around on the, on the ground, like writhing in pain. Whereas like Neymar, you watch five minutes of a game, you're going to see him look like he got blown up on the field and like, he's going to need a stretcher to get off. And then he's sprinting around like two minutes later. So I, th I think a big part of it is like, a, you're trying to influence the refs. So like if there is something in soccer where like, if the same guy keeps getting fouled, it's a yellow card, even if it's like, let's say Neymar gets fouled three times, they pretty much say the next time he gets fouled, whoever does it's getting a yellow. So the more he sells it and makes it seem like this is a brutal foul, and some of them are pretty brutal. Like there, there's a lot where you're where you're diving, but these guys have metal cleats and there's they pretty much wear no shin guards. 
and it hurts like hell when you have a guy go in cleats up get you in the leg like that hurts pretty bad obviously there's a lot of it where they're just thinking hey i gotta make the ref think that this really hurts to make hopefully they get a card but yeah i I think in the u.s that's not something that is that's really coached and i think that's a good thing but the brazils and the italy's and the france's of the world i don't know how they do in their youth system but i wouldn't be surprised if it's like you said it's a skill just go down when you find the contact and make it happen from there but yeah i think that's something that i hope never comes into u.s soccer culture because i think that's one thing that we kind of have over them if that's the right way of saying it is like we don't do that really it's not really the american way so hopefully it stays that way yeah i have a question about officiating uh you know in hockey it could depend on the game you know some some refs could let them play do you do you find that very similar in soccer um or are they pretty steady um you know across the board or does it matter um from game to game so if you watch that u.s wales game uh on monday at the beginning of the game uh serginho dest and weston mckinney two american players both got yellow cards on their first foul and pretty much the way it's supposed to work with that is if it's a vicious tackle or if you're stopping like a fast break it's pretty much an automatic yellow one of them was a pretty vicious tackle the other one was pretty soft And then Wales had a few of them that were by that logic, also yellow cards that weren't called. So the biggest thing is like consistency. If the ref's given yellows left and right, but he's doing it for both teams, usually you're not going to have a complaint. Um, But, but it does kind of go that way. So you do have some games where the ref decides early on, like I'm going to let the small stuff go. And then you have other refs that are like, I'm going to start carding early. As long as they keep it consistent, it's really, there's no complaints. But when you have a game like that, that game against Wales, the ref was from Qatar and pretty much the way that works in the World Cup is like they take the best refs and you have to be like really good in order to be there. But because the World Cup's in Qatar, they like fast track this guy through the program and pretty much are like, all right, man, you're refing in the World Cup. And he just looked, <laughs> he looked overwhelmed. Like he, just, it was too, it was too big. Just throwing him into the ringer. Yeah. And, Here you and go, buddy. Like, yeah. And, and of course he's in the game that like, I mean, it was one of the most watched games because the US and it's like the guy was out of his depth. Like he was totally he should not have been refing that game. So it's one of those things like in soccer, there's so much corruption and shit that it's like, yeah, you, you want to, you want to think they have the best interest of the sport in mind, but you have a situation like that where Qatar is like, Hey, we've got this ref, let's throw them in, throw them in this game. And it just, it doesn't always go well. <laughs> yeah. That's uh well, you mentioned there's a little bit of corruption. Um, and I wanted to go off. I know that I know you had mentioned when we had talked earlier that the U.S. has the uh, the next World Cup, twenty twenty six, correct? Yep. Um, and I know it's in Qatar now, and there's some there's some you know things out there about that. Um, I wanted to know, you know, what goes into how they pick where the World Cup is. You know, how did Qatar get it this year? How did the U.S. get it in twenty twenty six? So that's kind of where the corruption comes in. Twenty eighteen was Russia. 2022 is Qatar. So, I mean, if you look at those two, it's like, Jesus. 2026 is the U.S. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's right online. <laughs> so, a lot of it is like they submit these proposals and pretty much say, like, here are the stadiums we have. Here are the stadiums we'd maybe have to build. And then, like, the infrastructure. So, like, do we have the hotels? Do we have the the business and stuff needed to have a World Cup? And then, from there, it's it's bidding. So, pretty much, they decide which ones are best. And then, you throw forward a proposal. But the big issue is like, it's not confirmed, but it's pretty much confirmed that like executives at FIFA, who is the one that chooses it, are getting like their pockets lined to be like, oh, let's do Qatar. So it's it's not like they're just saying, okay, here are our candidates, which one's the best? It's like, okay, which one's going to write our board members a check for 10 million and tell them to shut up and pick Qatar? 
So yeah. that's where it gets sticky. I mean, with the U.S., I don't know. I think that U.S. obviously makes a lot of sense. You have a lot of big cities. You have football stadiums, which they're mostly going to be using. But then you also have like Qatar where they're building all these new stadiums with essentially slave labor. So it's like some places already have the infrastructure in place. So that makes sense. Other ones are like, we're going to build all these stadiums. And then who knows what happens to those stadiums. Like you, you hear with the Olympics, how these places just sit empty after the games leave. That's kind of the concern with Qatar is like, you're not going to need these, you know, 100,000 people stadiums for a Qatar league game. So I wonder why it couldn't like, why is a country like Qatar want it that badly when they have to spend that amount on infrastructure and all that? It just, it doesn't, I know it, I know it helps. Yeah. Recognition and it helps the economy of the country, obviously during the world cup, a, a, a ton because a ton of people come in and, you know, help the economy and buy stuff and all that. But when it leaves, it's like, what do you do now? Yeah, it's it's pretty much PR. So like you heard about this with like uh, the live tour, but it's called like sports washing, you know, so pretty much like you do all these really bad things like human rights problems. And people hear about that. So they want to be no- thought of as like, Oh, Qatar, that's where the World Cup is not like, Oh, Qatar, that's where these <laughs> slave laborers are pretty much work to death and die. So it's yeah. like, it's more just like for PR, like they have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. So just having like the World Cup Qatar, it's not even a money thing. It's more just like a public image thing is kind of what they're yeah. looking for, which it's similar with Russia too, is like Russia obviously is always kind of in controversy, but that's like, oh, the World Cup's in Russia. It just makes people think of it like more positively. Did did you watch the, uh, the FIFA uh, documentary on Netflix? I started it. Yeah. yeah. Is it, is it worth a watch? I, I was looking at it. I was kind of intrigued by it. It's interesting, but it's also like, it was obviously very, like, they tried to put it out right now to yeah. build up the most controversy, but I've known FIFA's corrupt. I mean, anybody that follows soccer, even relatively closely, it's it's not a, a hidden issue, but yeah, yeah. No, nothing in it really shocked me, but that's just because the people are such scumbags, like nothing could shock me with them, so. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Not to, I don't want to bang on, I don't want to bash FIFA too much because unfortunately, no matter what industry or what sport, you know, there's, there's corrupt people and whether it's government, religion, sports, any industry ever, I mean, there's going to be corrupt, corrupt people everywhere. So um, it's just unfortunate to say, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, when you need money to buy things, money is going to do a, it's going to hold some power. So, For sure. And I mean, it's hard to even compare FIFA to any other sports organization because it doesn't seem like in the U.S., but it's the biggest sport in the world and it's the governing body for the entire world. So it's like they have so much power at their disposal. Like it's disgusting when you think about it. Like they, they run all the – every league really is like has to report to FIFA. So there's just so many opportunities for them to just – do, it's what, like a, do what they need it's like it's like the catholic church they're just a powerhouse <laughs> it's i mean soccer is a religion to people like yeah. you think there's some people you know obviously there's some people that would die for jesus christ well they, I'll, I'll tell you this there's millions of people who will fucking die for messi or ronaldo over in europe so it's just as much of a religion to them as it is um you know, someone who's following Christ, you know, to a T from the Bible. So most of them are in Qatar right now. Those people you're talking about, but yes, they are. They're out there. (laughs) Then you have people that are so big into their club team that they're like, 
I don't even give a shit about the World Cup because they they live and die with their like Manchester United or Liverpool or whatever. They're like, I don't care about the national team. It's all about the club. So you kind of have everything. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. that. Love that passion. What's your uh, what's your prediction for uh, Black Friday, USA England? So last time they played uh, was in the what would it have been? 2010 World Cup, so it's 12 years ago now. That was kind of an infamous game. You guys were probably pretty young. I don't know how old you guys are, but I was in high school at the time, and it was uh, USA 1-1 against England. England's goalie let up like one of the weakest goals of all time, and it was a huge result for the U.S. Um, my prediction my prediction is 1-1. That's being really optimistic because if the U.S. get a draw against England, they're in a pretty good spot. If they lose, it's all going to come down to that last game. And Iran and Wales are obviously their two teams in the group. Iran got dominated by England. They lost 6-2. So the concern is if you lose against England and Wales beats Iran, England's pretty much already through at that point, and they'd have one more game, which would be against Wales. So they'd be sitting all their starters, and then Wales could have a chance to get a point and get through. So, and U.S. would have to beat Iran for that to even matter. So it's just one of those where I would have much rather played Iran second and let Wales play England with their first team and more motivation. Yeah. But it is what it is at this point. I think U.S. is going to have to approach it kind of like if you're a smaller team, like in the Premier League, for example, and you're playing against Man City, you kind of push everybody back. When they lose the ball, you try to counterattack, get a goal, but you're pretty much – you're, you're locked into defending for 90 minutes and it's hard to do, especially for a young team, just like that. It's, it's mental. It's almost like golf where like you can't, you can't take your eye off it for a second. You have to be locked in to defend. So that's my only concern is can a team as young as them and inexperienced, just lock in for 90 minutes and just play defense essentially. And then when they have chances, which they didn't do against Wales, they just have to capitalize. They had so many chances to kill that game against Wales. If they go up to nothing, it's over uh, and they just couldn't do it. So. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a wide open game. Um, if that's that's the issue, is if you're a casual fan and you're like, all right, let's watch some soccer today, nobody's going to be like, God damn, this is sick to watch. They're going to be like, why is the U.S. like just sitting behind the ball and kicking it out of bounds? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, a draw is is I don't want to say best case scenario, but a draw is a win on mm-hmm. on Friday. So fair enough. Well, thanks. There you have it, folks. Thanks for the. Uh... Thanks for the input there, Schultz. I'm sure um, our listeners will enjoy that as we come up on this game because, you know, I, I'm almost positive almost 90% of the listeners of this episode will have zero clue what soccer is. And so this will be pretty informational for them. So thanks for pulling us off, Schultz. Thanks for giving us that insight. And um, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, guys. I'll, uh, Ozzo, maybe I'll see you tonight. You too. Yep. Nice to Goes meet you. Up. And, uh, Go USA.